This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila and Lynn. Gosh, I've forgotten who's, which one's which. First up today, how to tell when someone might be a hoarder and what we can do to help. So, okay, this story is from a couple of weeks ago, but essentially the star reported that the Ipoh City Council was called up to clean three tons of rubbish from an older woman's house. So um, the woman who is in her 60s hoarded recyclables because of environmental concerns. But uh, if you look at the photo, I think it's quite clear what's happening, which is that the recyclables are simply piling up. Um, they, they are extending far beyond the, the actual house and into the yard. And it, it's a lot. And um, therefore, it had resulted in worries like um, stench, rat infestation that is a breeding ground for mosquitoes. It also posed a threat to the safety and health of surrounding residents. So the city council sent three lorries to dispose of the rubbish in a concerted operation at her house. And it's, I guess, worth saying that the city council had in fact received a total of seven complaints um, about this particular premise since 2020 and that she had actually previously been fined as well under Section 82 of the Local Government Act 1976. So this is one particular incident, of course, and and quite an extreme example. But, um, you know, especially in the last, I would say, decade or so, the issue of hoarding, particularly because of the kind of spotlight that um, online videos or even reality shows have put, the question of when simply being someone who holds on to stuff a little too long um, and when that crosses over into actually being a mental health issue, um, a, a, a challenge that the person is facing that needs professional help and support. Um, and hoarding, in fact, is, is usually a sign of much larger challenges at play. There is that. But there's also the fact that, um, simply put, I think um, hoarding is also one of those things that, like, you know, people say, oh, I'm so OCD. Similarly, the word mm. hoarder has somewhat crossed the boundaries into casual use. You know, people say like, oh, I'm hoarding things. Yes. Or, um, oh, you have so much stuff. You're such a hoarder. And I think that um, to a degree, many of us... Um, ourselves as well as others, you know, we would know people who do hold on to a lot. So some people live more minimally and others kind of do stockpile a lot of things or hold on to all sorts of packaging, hold on to, you know, every plastic bag, every plastic container that comes into the house. We don't throw away, um, I don't know, packaging. So I think that this is a reasonably familiar behavior to many, actually. So I'm kind of interested in the point at which it crosses from something that you might do because you just think, oh, someday I'll need it. Mm -hmm. um, and at what point it crosses into something larger or more indicative of a... Of, of a challenge in your life. And because it can be difficult for that individual to know, right? Be especially when it's behavior that other people talk about as being relatively normal and okay. How do you tell for yourself or for that matter, how do you know when someone in your family might actually be struggling with it being a real problem? Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We will be joined after this by Dr. Chua Sukning, who is a clinical psychologist as well as the founder of Relate Malaysia. But we want to hear from you as well. Do you know anyone who might have a hoarding problem? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free minded, BFM.
89.9. It is 5.13. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about hoarding. Uh, this comes, of course, after a story uh, from a couple of weeks ago where the Ipo City Council had to be called in to clean up three tons of rubbish from an older woman's house. So um, we're essentially talking about hoarding and how to know when it's crossed over into being an issue. We want to hear from you. Do you know anyone who might have a hoarding problem? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Dr. Chua Sukning, a clinical psychologist as well as the founder of Relate Malaysia. Sukning, always good to have you with us. So to begin with, we frequently hear people casually describe themselves or others as hoarders. And there's even a TV show dedicated to it. But at what point does hoarding cross over into becoming a disorder? Is there such a thing as healthy hoarding? I think there's such a thing as uh, healthy hobbies. So you can really keep things that you like. Um, but when we're talking about hoarding as a clinical issue, we're talking about someone who is compulsively acquiring items of maybe very little value and they have a lot of difficulty discarding it so it causes them a lot of distress and very importantly it these possessions clutter up their living areas so it's it's all packed in and and this results in a lot of impairment um, and distress on them so it's not just this i i really this brings me a lot of joy you know and it's nicely organized is really interfering with living. And what are some of the ways that people might develop a hoarding disorder? What are the factors that could contribute to this? Uh, my caveat is that this is quite, I mean, relatively new disorder. So it, it came about in the DSM um, in 2012. So we're really learning more and more to understand it. Um, I would say, first of all, we don't have a lot of data in Malaysia about prevalence, but at least in Singapore, lifetime hoarding is 2%. Uh, so we can say, okay, like 2% of the population uh, experience hoarding, which is quite a lot. Um, the, as, as many other mental disorders, there are multiple factors. So they actually even include, you know, like uh, it, it, there's some genetic component to that. Um, some people have found, of, of course, anxiety, um, even trauma might be contributing to that. But it's really about how they see their possessions. So they are emotionally attached to what they're keeping. Um, they fear losing something important. They fear that they, they feel they believe that the possessions are important uh, as reminders and they want to have some control over the possessions, and they feel very responsible um, of what they have. So for some people, they even, you know, they anthropomorphize these possessions. So they are actually very personal to them. They're not just things. Like, you know, we might see clutter, but these people are actually quite attached um, to what they're keeping. So what are some early signs to look out for in identifying people who might struggle with hoarding? And how difficult is it to look out for these signs in yourself as, as well as with the people close to you? I, th I think generally we don't have great insight to ourselves. Um, but if you find, you, you know, so it's probably, I think, other people around you getting um, in distress or they're noticing that your place is packed. Um, but, you know, it might be quite gradual that you're building up 
up and you might keep telling yourself, well, these things are very important, you know, it's not really a, an issue. So I would say other people might play a big role in, in highlighting the, the issue to you. Um, maybe very, very early signs is how you see your possessions. You know, how difficult is it for you to get rid of things that are of actual very little value, right? Um, so we're really thinking maybe, you know, in, in the case that um, in Ipo, uh, that we're talking about in newspapers or the collection of, of garbage. I mean, to her, it may not be garbage, but objectively, these are things of very little value. Right, it's not necessarily have some direct emotional connection to them that you had them, you know, since you were a child, and, and you know your your favorite stuffed animal. So I think it's the way you're relating to the things that you're acquiring. Do you have to inquire the, acquire these uh, things? Are you building up a collection? Uh, is your place getting very messy? Are you in distress? Can you actually declutter and get rid of these things? Um, so. I would say maybe those are the very, very early signs, but generally it, it's hard to notice what's going on with ourselves. I, I would say people would um, often play that role for us. And how does a hoarding disorder um, impact the health and well-being of the person, uh, but also the people around them? So often there is quite a lot of shame uh, of this hoarding. It's, it's not something that's viewed positively for, for people, so th they tend to hide it. I would say um, the biggest impact is probably on relationships and social isolation. Um, then, you know, your living environment is is not healthy. Um, the, the, uh, the, the lady in the EFO with the hoarding disorder, you know, it, it was mentioned in the article that it, her living environment was as such that it was a you know breeding ground for mosquitoes or or infestations for rats. So it's not hygienic. Um, there could also be, of course, property damage. Um, there'd be maybe high expenses. People might even buy extra storage units to store things, right? But I, I would say the first probably impact is it's the strained relationships that you have around you. You know, people are noticing and it's it's causing an issue there. Now, I understand that trying to remove items from a person with this disorder could cause them distress. Could you help explain what might be going through their minds here? So I would say like everyone might have a different reason for themselves, but there are some cognitive uh, uh, common cognitive features means people with hoarding disorders tend to view these possessions as uh, intrinsically valuable to them. They are very useful, or they might have some future use, like one day it would be useful to them. Uh, some of them even say there's a ten, um, that there's some sentimental value. But I think the key thing is, is it's not just the way that they're viewing their possessions. Uh, there's also research that show that people with hoarding disorders have uh, attentional issues, have organizational issues as well, and, and memory or cognitive, some cognitive deficits. So the more, you know, things are building up, it also becomes very overwhelming for them to organize things. And so as a result, then, you know, I think it, they end up as well, not knowing how, like what to get rid of and how to clean because everything seems so important everything's, And so that's when things get overwhelming and then they avoid and they go, okay, I'm not going to do anything about it because that's very distressing. So there's this, the coping strategy of avoidance uh, to deal with the decluttering. So I'm not going to do it instead. 
So, okay, if I think that someone close to me might have this disorder, what could I do to help? How should I start? I think the best conversations start with I'm concerned. Um, that, that may not go that well, but I think you should express your concern. Uh, forcing people to change doesn't often go that well, even for healthy individuals. You know, if I force you to do something, you, you might not like it. I wouldn't like it. And so there's a strategy called motivational interviewing that's really helpful to, to motivate change that's consistent with a person. So it's a, it's a lot about like, okay, like what are the downsides about all this clutter, right? What's, what are you actually trying, and what are your goals for keeping all these things? So, and you're trying to find some middle ground is could we try to keep some things that are important to you, but at the same time, get you to have the quality of life that you want, because right now you can't move anywhere or all your your rooms are blocked with things or you're not happy in this tiny living space and it's all you know dirty everywhere else so I don't think that living environment uh, really brings joy to anyone I think people are distressed in living in that but they they could be experiencing more distress and more and feelings of being more overwhelmed about trying to sort through it so they really need um, step-by-step help and you can start not by like threatening to throw everything, but about working with them to identify, I guess, what they want, you know, what they're trying to get and and trying to get some kind of compromise going. Now, if we look at the case of the woman in Ipoh who had collected up to three tons of rubbish, she had been referred to the Department of Social Welfare before, but um, she had just gone back to hoarding soon after that. Could you talk to us about the process of recovery for hoarders? What sort of treatment do they undergo to address their issues? Some of the most well-researched, um, and we still do need more research, but so far, it's cognitive behavioral therapy for hoarding disorders has been found to be quite successful. And I want to say that it's not a short program, right? So it could take up to a year. It's typically 26 sessions, but you know, again, it varies depending on how severe it is. Um, and that has been shown to be helpful. So just referring someone once isn't going to help. So this person really needs help. And um, this cognitive behavioral therapy program doesn't just go, this is how you sort things out, but it's also looking at what you be- you what you believe about hoarding, your beliefs about uh, the possessions. Um, you're practicing and reducing this excessive acquisition of, of issues, practicing and how to discard things, you know, skills in organizing, skills in staying focused. And, you know, as I said, there's, there's some research that shows inattention might um, play a role in hoarding. And then the motivation or interviewing piece to, um, to help the help people remain engaged and, and help them go like, this is actually helping you live the life that you want. We're not coming in and forcing you to do things. So, it's it's very specialized help that is required, and it's just not. Um, so I, I would say this person needs um, probably before going for therapy a lot more support to even getting there. Because sometimes you know therapy could be scary for people. So I would say regular visits um, from you know the social either the social welfare department or counselors or family members, but just talking to them and taking the shame out of where they are so that they can move to a healthier place. But shame and judgment, um, rarely helps someone change for the better. 
And I want to talk about uh, empathy here too, because it can be challenging to show that in the face when of, of you know when you're living close to a person with a hoarding disorder and you're being affected by it yourself. What advice do you have on this front? You're right in, in saying that the it's, it's sometimes hard to have empathy because it impacts the relationship and impacts the um, the living environment. And and of course, if it's a loved one, uh, you're very concerned about what's what's happening there probably like any disorder uh, to remember that people aren't they don't feel like they have a choice right we're really talking about some compulsive acquisition i i think if if given a choice everyone chooses happiness right listen people don't deliberately choose to be unhappy and um and, and distress and, and to be impaired in living but they don't know how to, or they don't feel that they have many options to get out of this uh, this challenge. So I think remembering that is important, uh, particularly when you're maybe confronted with the uh, the defensiveness or, or people not wanting to change. And it's it's to us who are healthier, it would seem like, but it's so easy, or it's just a choice. Like, why would you choose that? And I think to remember that nobody's actually choosing to be unhappy, but often people don't know a different way, or they feel quite helpless already, or they feel quite hopeless, or they've tried things on their own and it hasn't worked out. And so I think remembering that, and hopefully would give you some degree of empathy that even change for us can be very difficult. And so uh, the, the level of patience required is there. And, and on the other hand, it's also for you to get your own support, especially if you um, know this person uh, that has a hoarding disorder and you yourself are impacted and your relationship is impacted. So getting your own support um, to learn how to manage the relationship will be really helpful. So Ming, do you have a final message to leave us with? Yes. So there is this great book, um, Hoarding Behavior, that's the name of it by Gail Steckety and Christina Bratiotis. So that's maybe a, a long name, but S-T-E-K-E-T-E-E. -E -E -E. So Gail, G-A-I-L. And um, she's one of the leading experts on hoarding behavior. This is a really um, comprehensive manual on what hoarding behavior is, what are the risk factors, how people with hoarding behaviors um, tend to think, and then what kinds of treatments are helpful. And so this would be a great resource uh, for anyone who's interested in uh, more information. Sukning, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Dr. Chua Sukning, clinical psychologist and founder of Relate Malaysia, speaking to us about hoarding and how to help someone who might have a hoarding problem. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. Do you know anyone who might have a hoarding problem? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are talking about hoarding. This comes um, after a story coming out of Ipo of a an older woman who essentially had three tons of garbage um, cleaned out from her house by the Ipoh City Council. Um, and essentially, it's a larger conversation about uh, when 
keeping things, collecting items, um, turns into hoarding and what to do if you know someone who has an issue with it. So we'd like to hear from you. Do you know anyone who might have a hoarding problem? You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, to kick things off, I think we have a caller on the line. Good evening, Surya. What are your thoughts? Uh, good evening, Shamila. Good evening, Lynn. Um, I'm calling up more on myself. Um, I'm I'm kind of like a more of a clutterer. I go through phases where I collect mostly paperwork. I, I think it's ironic, Shamila, the fact that you know, with, with the ability to put so many things in cloud, I have this um, tendency to to pull up a lot of paperwork, and it just sits around and irritates the heck out of my wife. So I, I kind of go through phases. So um, basically, it's more an observation that I realize I do have a slight problem, but it, it, it sort of like comes and goes. So it doesn't become a major problem. I don't know if uh, uh, it's, it's characteristic of, of a few people. Um, just wanted to share that with, with everybody. Um, Surya, at what point do you kind of throw everything out? I, I ask because that's my pattern. I, I find that I collect or that I didn't realize that I hadn't thrown things out. And then um, at a point, I just get kind of annoyed <laughs> by the whole thing. And then I, I clear it out. Is that something that you do as well? Or what happens when you realize, oh, I've, I've accidentally accumulated a lot of paperwork? Okay, what, what I do, Sharmila, I kind of physically see the clutter, especially the paperwork. And I, and I, and I make this decision, uh, I, I sort of call myself out as a Surya. Basically, if it's important enough, it'll come back to you somehow. So just bin it. And it's a really tough call to make, but I find that helps, to put it quite bluntly. But <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm worried about is my pattern. It's sort of, it's part of me now. It's my DNA. I'm not trying to blame my genetics, but it seems to be part of my muscle memory. Like, I do realize I have a problem, and then I do something about it, but in an extreme fashion. So, um Sounds as though I'm seeking therapy on air, but I'm not. I'm just sharing this. <laughs> well, no, we're certainly not therapists, but uh, thank you so much for sharing. I, I think actually that might be a familiar um, incident for for many people who are listening. Uh, but do keep your experiences or your thoughts coming as well. That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 18 Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, we also have a, a number of other messages that have come in. Yes, including a voice note actually from Kevin. Okay, I am not a hoarder. I don't admit I am, at least. But I do notice that, you know, we're in the age of consumerism and stuff piles up really quick. Every day I come home, I'm bringing something back, whether it's from the groceries or some shopping, or I did some online shopping or other people in the house did. And, uh, you know, things seem to come into the house quicker than they get thrown out. And uh, one of the things uh, that I notice is clothes. I mean, I only wear maybe 5% of the clothes that I own. So why does it like crowd up my uh, closet? Uh, other things like, you know, towels and bed sheets and, and uh, you know, cups in the kitchen is uh, insane. Like, why do I have so many cups? Um, 
And yeah, maybe once a year or maybe twice a year, I do a bit of spring cleaning. And it's just uh, that spring cleaning goes on for a whole week straight. Every day I'm throwing out maybe two or three large bin bags of just junk. It could be like all bits and bobs of, of all stuff that I've bought in the past. And uh, it's just unbelievable. Kevin, thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I think that I think the stuff that we choose to hold on to and and um, perhaps sometimes without necessarily having a super rational reason why is really interesting. Well, um, Kevin, I'm like you uh, almost exactly in the sense that I just noticed that every once in a while I have so much stuff and um, I've taken up selling some of it and, and I find that that's been helpful partly because it, it's a pain, frankly, to have to sell things that you've accumulated and that process then reminds me not to buy so much because I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to have to go through this clearing out process um, or this process of, you know, listing things and, and kind of trying to move it. Uh, partly because I, partly because um, as I've grown older and become more aware of my, um, my consumption and also become more environmentally conscious, I think I'm, I've also started thinking about how we move things around from place to place. And the worry being that if you just donate things or, or if you throw it out, um, it just goes on to become someone else's problem. Whereas in theory, if you sell it to somebody for however low a price, um, it is theoretically somebody who wants it. And then in my mind, I convince myself that it's now part of the circular economy. Actually, um, Kevin's mention of cups in the kitchen really uh, triggered something for me because, uh, you know, people give you mugs as presents or as collectibles and they're really nice and they're cute. But I do realize that more often than not, I probably have about 20 mugs and consistently use two. And all of the others, I'm loath to get rid of them because they have a sentimental value or because somebody gave them to me. And that can make them quite difficult to get rid of. We have a number of folks actually who are pointing out um, pointing out how this is generational in more ways than one. So MZ says, I have close family members who are hoarders. Usually it's the boomer generation. They think that war or riots can break out anytime, so they don't throw things away in case it's needed during an emergency. Some also don't understand the concept of sunk cost. They see things as money, but fail to see that it's not valuable. Lee Jun, meanwhile, says hoarding seems to be a familial trait. Our grandparents came from a generation where they couldn't bear to throw anything away. Our uncles, aunts, and parents learned this. Now our generation is repeating the cycle. And uh, Benjamin actually is making a point that's not so much generational but related to what MZ was saying about uh, maybe maybe I'll need it sometime maybe it'll be an emergency and maybe I'll you know I have to hold on to stuff because Benjamin says I wonder if hoarding disorder specifically can be attributed to socioeconomic background if I am severely lacking financially then letting go of whatever current possession I have can be difficult because of the thought that I might need it later and then I don't have the means to buy it if that if that's the case can it be mitigated if there is an adequate degree of organization or a system to keep things um, you know, I think all of those are great points, to be honest. Um, I was also thinking back to what our guest earlier said, um, Dr. Chasuk Ning, and where she pointed out that um, often when what lies at the heart of it is some sort of anxiety or some sort of worry or some sort of a coping mechanism, um, I'm not sure whether it's as straightforward as having a system, right? Or as trying to rationalize your way out of it. Because often I don't know that they don't understand 
I feel like people might know all of the rational arguments and yet be unable to take that step. Oh, so this is something that I was thinking of, of because we received a suggestion from Sabrina um, saying this is the best book for hoarders and it was um, Marie Kondo's book. And I think that for those of us who don't have the issue, um, it can feel, and this is true of almost anything to do with mental health, right? Um, it, it can often feel like, well, there's a very straightforward thing here. Mm. Just don't hold on to things or um, just tidy up. But I think it's very different um, doing the condo method, which if you remember, involves firstly bringing everything you own out into a room, followed by, I'm, I'm simplifying, um, but you know, bringing everything you own out, followed by sorting it through into piles and then holding on to things and seeing if they famously spark joy and if they don't, you throw it out. And I feel like that is something that's manageable if you think that doing that will take you, I don't know, a week, a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but if you own things to such a degree that it's now um, doing the bringing everything to one place, that alone would take you, I don't know, a month, then I think you get a sense of how overwhelming it starts to be. Um, I would encourage people to look at the photo, actually. Um, yes. The, it's been reported, um, again, we're talking about a particular or rather the incident stemmed uh, of a woman in Ipoh. And I think if you look at that photo, you get a sense of how it might not be a straightforward solution that works. We also have Stephen saying, I'm not sure if I can call myself a hoarder, but I do keep all the phone packaging boxes since my first Motorola, Nokia and so on, and also all my Apple products. And I keep all my old phones. Stephen, I'm really curious to know actually why. If you, could, if you could get in touch and let us know why you choose to keep them, whether it's sentimental value or whether it's just something that you kind of like having a, a chronological memory of. Oh, I think some people hold on to their old phones in case their new one breaks. And then if you, if you keep that habit, you just keep holding on to them because it's just a spare. So I understand, yeah, I suppose I understand that as a, a phone that is still feasible, but having your Nokia as a spare for, for an iPhone in this day and age is probably not, uh, yeah, I get it. It's just something you've started doing, right? I had a Game Boy. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. While I was clearing out my house, I found a Game Boy. Like, I, I don't know what generation it was. Um, I've also found my Walkman. Um, so I, I think that there's just a propensity. Sometimes it's a mixture of sentimental. Um, I know for me, it's often just that I didn't take stock, actually. And, and that it's just there. Yeah, no, I actually have my old phone boxes because the sometimes the warranty is in there, sometimes a pair of headphones are in there, and then you just forget that you've kept it, right? Anyway, keep your thoughts coming. We've been asking you whether you know anyone who might have a hoarding problem. You can call 777-332-900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, in the meantime, we have more messages coming in on hoarding. Let's start with this voice note. This is from Chris. Good evening, everyone. I actually have a few boxes of things which have carried over since I graduated in 2014 and most of the things inside I never even touch it since I boxed them but I have tried to clear them but every time when I open it I find a bit I find difficulties in throwing the items in the boxes because those items are like you know extra stationaries I used to use when I was studying highlighters rulers some clipboards staples and extra pair of scissors and all that i i don't have use for them anymore because i don't need so many pairs of scissors and or so many pens or pencil or rulers but i really have difficulties in throwing them away because those are 
perfectly usable items and things like extra phone chargers, USB cables and all those things. Yeah, that's the that's what I'm struggling now to throw those perfectly usable items away. Thank you. Um Chris, you know, I that's so relatable that I really have difficulties throwing them away because they are reusable. That's a real FOMO thing. It is, but then also I think maybe what is helpful is taking stock um, mm. because some things aren't actually useful anymore um, in that in that they might have melted because of the heat, for example. This is from experience. <laughs> I'm speaking from experience. Um, and in other cases, they might actually have dried out. I'm thinking of the highlighters. So I think sometimes like actually looking at what is still, in fact, um, usable and what isn't could be good. And then there are always people who are still studying who might need it. So I think there are things like that that can be thought about. But if you want to hold on to it and it's not doing you any harm also, you know, because we are making a distinction, right, between keeping yes. things in a disorder. Yes. You know what will do it for me is actually when I have to move um, and and then I realize how many things I'm carting around with me and Rowan is actually making a similar point saying I've always considered myself a non-hoarder until my recent migration that's when I found a lot of clothes souvenirs trinkets and I don't know why I held on to them I donated or sold most of them I disposed of the ones I really didn't need anymore I do think it's a generational thing my mom complains that we don't have space but convincing her to let go of old stuff is a Herculean effort um, Anon also says, I think it's something psychological and this needs to be handled by a professional. My mother and her three sisters all live in separate houses, but they all have the same hoarding issues. I can totally relate about the tons of things being kept. Um, the, the example of the woman in Ipo is literally similar to what's happening to my mom. It's really mentally draining. Everything we try to do and help is not working. We really don't know what else to do. For now, she's not willing to seek help and we just feel hopeless. By the way, all three sisters have the same issue. I'm not sure if something happened in their upbringing that caused this. Thank you so much for sharing. And, and, you know, I think that quite nicely captures the challenges that people around also face when someone they know is a hoarder, someone they know and love, in fact. Yeah. Um, and just a quick thing to say that our guest spoke about the need to support people mm. even before pushing them to therapy or encouraging them to get therapy, because that might be a big step. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.